0: Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Apostle Lewis here with you out of the Southern Bunker Command in Jacksonville, Florida, the free Florida state uh, of the freedom fighters here in Florida. We're just glad to be with you this morning. Uh, just got a uh, word from the Lord this week for you. First, a couple of things. I want to uh, just welcome you to Secret Place Church online here. Uh, it is an honor always for uh, to minister to you and uh, to fill in for uh, my dear friends Todd and Jessa Bentley, who I love with all my heart. Uh, good friends and wonderful, wonderful ministers of the gospel. And uh, coming up on March 18th to the 21st, you can go to uh, Revival Ministries and um, actually uh, get it. Um, but they are going to have an event up in Charlotte. So go to their website and register for that it is um something that i hope that you will be able to participate especially if you're up in that charlotte area and i want to make sure i do get that website correct uh, revivalministries.org if you will go ahead and go there register for that event um such a wonderful wonderful day to be alive i i feel like um everything is going good so uh, we're in a great place um, so a couple other things uh, if you're on this uh, Facebook page go ahead and like the page subscribe to it and go ahead and if you uh, like the message share it uh, it would help out the algorithms feed the beast so to speak and all that there's a lot of people who come on here and don't actually uh, go ahead and like the page do that it would uh, greatly be appreciated I'm also you'll find me on Lewis D lewisdcna facebook lewisdcna um youtube i'm on rumble you can find me on all those things i post all those things i also post at my uh the gate church or the gatejacks.com and the gate facebook page so we have all those things that if you want to track me and would love for do. i got a lot of uh, product to offer i'm i'm writing a, am uh, actually filming a course right now on the first principles of Christ, which talking about our priestly ministry and how we go into that process. So I'm very excited about that. Um, uh, we've, uh, so uh, Todd's got a lot of stuff. Um, he didn't give me a list. So, you know, Todd is, um, one of the, one of the dear friends. I just love being around. And, um, uh, I know he's uh, been spending some time in prayer, which fits in, um, the Lord gave me a, a, a word a couple weeks ago about a fresh anointing. And, um, as I've been contending this whole year, um, and calling our church in the month of March, I, the guy gives us me a new theme every month in the month of March. It's been to consecrate yourselves because I believe there's a fresh anointing coming. And, uh, I, I don't want to talk all about that consecration process, but it is a process and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just like I say, we could sing I Surrender All in six months, find out we still have more to surrender because it's a process. It's never an event. It's something that we have to contend for, go through and stuff like that. That I think a lot of the church um, doesn't fully appreciate that process. It doesn't understand it. We don't teach it. But but I want to talk to you today about contending for a fresh anointing because when the Lord spoke this to me, my heart just came alive. and. Um, you know, I I believe in this season, look, I, I believe the church is in a reset and not everyone in the church is going to reset. Some people are going to go right back into the old model, the old mode, what we're doing uh, 12 months from now. And not that I'm saying having church as the old model, that's what I'm saying about, but just their, um, uh, with the same anointing or the same, you um, uh, um, just the same, um, more of a setting up social media than it is actually preaching the gospel of the kingdom and, and contending for the miracle signs and wonders. Look, um, one of the reasons why churches don't go after miracles is because, um, it, it's a mystery and the mystery creates an unrest in a sense that, um, we like to be in control. When we're in control of our environment, we think it's peace. And, um, and this is a study just in psych, uh, psychology. It's just, we, when we're in control, we think we have peace. When, when we're not in control, we have a problem. And control is not really a kingdom word, but authority is. And, and God desires in this hour for the church to rise up. Um, yep, the election didn't go the way we wanted to, but I got news for you. I think the election went the way God intended in a sense of, God knew that God knew that you know someone was going to steal it. What do you do when God doesn't respond uh, the way you think He's supposed to respond? It's not a time to get critical of people. I I just you know how I feel about that. If you've heard me speak at all before, it's a time for us to realize. All right, I, I've had apostles and prophets call me up from around the world. They were all prophesying Trump was going to win a second election, and they go, I didn't see this chaos, this fight, this battle. Why didn't I say? Because God didn't show it to you. And when God doesn't show us things and keeps things to himself, he's got something better. He's got something spectacular for us. And we would just probably mess it up. And I'm telling you, I believe God's got one of the brightest hours for the church coming. If the church will seek him diligently with all their heart and contend for a fresh anointing. And why do you have to contend? I want to talk about that this morning because a lot of times as ministers, they think they've arrived, and and uh, which is a really bad state. But if a minister thinks that they've arrived, he or she thinks that they've arrived, guess what the people believe? They believe they've arrived. And we, we can never be farther from the truth than we need to contend for a fresh anointing. We need to go into the prayer closets, and I'm going to talk about that. And I'm gonna talk about how to use faith to do that. A lot of times <clears throat> we use faith to say, I've got it. Right? Isn't that how we use faith? Someone says, God's got a fresh anointing, we go, Yes, I receive it. You know you didn't get it. Can I just be really honest with you? And and be really honest with you, you didn't get it. You got a revelation is the unveiling of something that you did not know was possible or was for you a moment earlier. We can get a revelation of who God is, which should birth in us a desire to know that aspect, that, that, um, that level of the glory and holiness of God in that dimension. We might get a revelation of a promise, which we're going to talk about. Um, uh, the promise of God, when you get a revelation that there's a promise, doesn't mean you have it in your account or have apprehended it yet. It's a promise that God's given you. But unless you contend for it, you might never see it manifest. And then you might get a... a What, What that does, let me explain what that revelation is twofold. The revelation of a promise should also be the revelation of my need. Because one of the things that I must fully appreciate and fully come to grips with in my life is my need for God, my need for him always, my need for him in everything. But, um, you know, I love one of my favorite passages of 2 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 3. And the Apostle Paul says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. The true maturity, one of the signs of true maturity is total dependence and need of God. And revelation does that. Revelation exposes something I do not, uh, I have not apprehended yet. It, it, a promise of God when He says, "I have a fresh anointing." What does that mean? Hey, hey, Lou. Wake up. The anointing you have will not carry you into what I have for you. You're going to need a fresh anointing in this hour for you to get there. It's not a rebuke. It's not even anger. It's pure love and pure passion of God to bring us into a new level. But it also exposes that I have a need for that. And I have to recognize that need. I can't I can't sit there and, and, and uh, act like I have it. I can't say, yes, God, fresh anointing. It's going to require something of me. It's going to require me to seek his face. It's going to require me to reschedule my time. It's going to require me to hide out with him because that which is in the secret place will reward openly. But, but I have to, I cannot pray for something if I have not been exposed to the need for it. If, if That's why God does it. God doesn't ever expose a need in me other than the desire to fulfill that need for me. And so it's 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 that kind of thing. So when God spoke this, and look, I've I've gone after the prophetic and been ordained, and and then four and a half years going after the apostolic to have Bill Johnson lay hands. I mean, I've gone through these processes. I understand them. I don't always like them. I embrace the process. It would be great if God would just, you know, just constantly increase me, without me having to contend. But why does God have me contend? Because God's going to do a work in me. He's going to hew out in me a deeper cistern, a deeper level, so he could pour a deeper glory in you and a deeper place in you where he can come and do more in you and break you open like an alabaster box. So when you go pray for people, they don't get you. They get Christ. They get the anointing. They get the breakthrough power. I want the breakthrough power for people, but sometimes they get me. Sometimes they don't get that breakthrough power. And so it constantly requires me to go to him so that he is always doing this work. In me. He's not done in us. He's not done in you yet. We haven't arrived. That's not a rebuke. That's a glorious invitation that he has more for you. Anything that you've experienced up to this moment, he has more. That's the great news of this, and we all should be in a place of Lord. What you have done in us is so awesome, boy. You've shown me the next horizon. You show me the next, the next battlefield. You show me the next wheat field. You show me that the harvest is ripe, and I want to capture that harvest. And now I'm going to have to go, and I'm going to contend for the next, the next yield. You know, on a, on an aircraft carrier, which I was stationed on one for three and a half years in the Navy back in the '80s, wooden ships sails, all those things. And you know what's amazing? In the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you can only see seven miles of the horizon. That's all you can see on, on, on the ocean. Seven miles. That's about as far as the circumference will let you see. But every time you go a mile, you could see another mile. Every time you go seven, there's another seven. And th- what happens to us is God is unfolding the kingdom in front of us in what you've seen up to now. What you've apprehended up to now is so glorious, but I got news for the church. God has a whole new level for us to contend for, to go after, because he's about to pour out a fresh anointing on those who will go after him, go after the secret place. It's not enough to say, I have it by faith. Let me tell you what the real word of faith means, which has kind of been lost in the church. Look it up in the Greek. The word faith, pistis, means to convince or to persuade God. It's the act of contending for that which he has promised. We've kind of lost that. Now, now, you know what I love about Todd? You know what I love about Todd? He hasn't lost that. Todd hasn't lost that contending to going away with God for seven days, contending for a fresh anointing. It annoys people about about Todd that he you know look I am going to just be honest not to throw out names but I felt this was such a big burden I text Bill Johnson and he conf- he said yeah he's in the same place he feels like God's got this fresh anointing for us we have to go after it in this hour but I'm not telling you to go after it just blindly I'm telling you to go after it because there is actually the promise of God and I and I and I said this it's like it's low-hanging fruit. It's like it's right there. I can almost, almost grab it and take hold of it, except it's in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 1.3 says, the blessing of God is in the heavenly realms, and that's why you have to contend. It's, it's not like grabbing this coffee cup. I just grabbed it. It's not... I wish it was just that simple, but it's not, because I, there's got to be a work in me a work in me for the greater level, a work in me for the greater impartation, a work in me for the greater, greater anointing. That's me. That's you. That's Todd. That's Bill. That's anybody who wants this next anointing, this fresh anointing on their life. Is that it's going to take for us to go after God? Don't be don't be ashamed of being hungry for the more of God, but don't don't try to bypass the process. Don't try to bypass what God's going to do in me and you in this hour. What he's been doing in us. Maybe you feel you're there. This is how you know you're there. This is how you'll know you're there when you see the anointing break forth. It's one thing for me to say I'm anointed to heal the sick. And I go pray for the sick and nothing happens. You know, when Bill Johnson in 07, January 7th, 8th, and 9th, he laid hands on me. 11 months later when I saw Bill at Bethel I told him the miracles. I said, "Bill, I want you to know that I'm stewarding the impartation and I listed off about 20 miracles I had seen that year." And me and Bill just had a moment with some tears. And I said, "I want you to know it wasn't I just wasn't wanting you to lay hands on me that I am stewarding that impartation, that this is what I am seeing." It's one thing to sit there and say, I've got the mantle like Elisha, but you have to go strike the water and see if it manifests, see it part. See, when they saw the waters part, the sons of the prophets said, the spirit of Elijah is upon Elisha. Why? Because there was a manifestation of it. They saw that they the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius' house. Why? Because they prophesied and prayed and spoke in tongues. They were able to observe the manifestation. The manifestation is the evidence of the apprehension of that thing which you were after by faith. Okay? Faith is the things is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. But the manifestation is the fruit of when you go after something and God does it in you or does it through you. And I'm telling you, there is a this, this in this hour, God is looking for those who will press in and turn a city upside down. And he but he will turn you upside down first. He's gonna come in you and he's gonna do a work in you in the secret place. And when he does that work in you, then he'll be able to use you in such glorious wonder, in such glorious power. The church doesn't need a good theology. The church doesn't need a good uh, doctrine. We've got doctrine. What he needs is vessels. What he needs is empty vessels. Look, if the vessel is full, the oil stops. The oil stops once the vessels are full. When the widow woman had no more vessels to pour the oil out into, it stopped. And we don't want to be those people that the oil that caused the oil to stop because we think we've arrived. We haven't. We know that. So the Lord gave me this scripture this morning, as a matter of fact. <clears throat> Psalm 92.10, but my horn you have exalted like a wild ox, and I have been anointed with fresh oil. How many people know that yesterday, last year's oil, 2019 oil, isn't fresh for today? He's got a fresh oil for you and for me today. And that, and that's what he's desiring. And that's what he's been speaking to me about us just going after that. That process is, is not one you can do necessarily corporately. You can as long as people are committed, to, the corporately people are committed secretly. In other words, they also have a secret walk, a secret a secret push, a secret um uh, uh desire they're pressing in at home. If you're just waiting for Sundays, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know. It doesn't work if you're just doing it on Sunday as long as that that the house, the church, the the people group are all seeking God together and when they come together, it just blows up. What how do you think Todd got the anointing and Bill Johnson got the anointing. Yeah, but you go, well, wait a minute. People laid hands on him. Yeah. Why is it God can lay hands? You can look at Todd will tell you this. I'll tell you this. Bill, Randy Clark, everyone will tell you this, that you know. I can lay hands on 10 people and only one might get the impartation. It's not that I didn't release something, but let me explain something about the anointing. The anointing. How do I put this? The anointing flows to where there's a vessel to be filled. The anointing just doesn't flow. If you're in a church, if you're ever going to preach and people are not hungry, see how much the anointing flows. It doesn't. It's the most frustrating thing. See how much, you know, as a prophet, when I go out and... and, I will line up everybody. Let me tell you something. I will prophesy over everybody. I've done it at Secret Place Church enough times. I'll line up 100 people. I'll stay there until 3 o'clock and prophesy. If they're hungry, I'll stay. I've stayed until 3 o'clock in the morning and prophesy. But let me tell you what. The people aren't hungry. If the people aren't hungry, the, the God, I don't have all these words. I go, oh man, I had 20 more words. I don't. It just stops. If I'm in a place where there's no honor, if there's a place where there's no honor, why do you think that? <laughs> why do you think that overseas there's such an explosion when we go overseas? You know, I can't wait to get back overseas, Todd. Let's go, and um, because I just, I just love seeing the people hungry. Uh, you know, in the American church, because we have such a wealth of knowledge, we're, we don't have a wealth of the revelation of our need. Does that make sense? We can get everything we want. We're, looking, we're on Facebook, get a message. But you know what I long for? I long for us to gather together again and we seek God together. And the glory falls and hits the place. And there's signs, wonders, and miracles. I long for the impartation of laying hands on people and prophesying over people and, and giving them promises and God meeting them and, and accurate words that helps. And, and then, you know, I, nothing, nothing excites me more sometimes than a healing or or a healing received, or when someone tells me, Man, you gave me a word. I, I bumped into a man last year around this time, I gave him a word when he was like 21 that by 30, these 10 things God was going to do for him. I hadn't seen him in in something like 15 years. I hadn't seen him. It was since it was 04, I gave him the word. And this was in 2020. I bumped into him. And he says to me, every one of the prophecies, everything in that prophecy came to pass by the time I was 30. Every single... See, that it isn't about me. It's not about... It's like, God... Being able to communicate your promises to people so they, they have a guidepost, they have something to pray into, something to go and apprehend. I'm telling you, listen to me. There are those. I'm, I'm only looking, I'm only speaking to the hungry ones. Listen, I, I'm only speaking to the hungry ones here. Only if you're hungry, God hears your heart. The fact that you are hungry for a fresh anointing is the evidence. That there is a fresh anointing in the unseen realm waiting for you. That's faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. The fact that God has you going, Lord, give me an anointing. Lord, I believe this is evidence. That's the very evidence that God has something for you if you will contend. What is contending? Contending is... Is, is praying. Contending is going, God, it's the recognizing of your need, but it's also convincing God. It's the word convince. It's a really word we don't like using with faith, because what we think faith actually, we think faith means I'm receiving it. Well, the word receive actually means to take hold of, okay? But it wasn't something we take hold of in this realm, it's something we break through into the secret place. We break through into heavenly realms, and we take hold of it there. And God anoints us with a fresh anointing. God, there has to be a work in us. Don't, don't get shocked when I say that. And I'm not going to tell you what that work is, because that work could be different for every single person that hears my voice. It's not for you to worry about what work needs to be done. You make that work available by getting in the secret place. You make it available by crying out to God. And here's here's the prayer that works for all of us. Lord, whatever you must do in me so that you can work through me, do it. I don't necessarily know what that is, Lord, but here I am. I don't know what it is. I just put myself on the altar I'm of the order of Melchizedek, and I offer myself up as a living sacrifice to you. That you might be able to be pleased and consume the sacrifice. I don't know what it is you have to do in me. I don't know what you have to remove from me. I don't know what fully it is what you will add to me. But all I know is my job, my reasonable service is to offer myself up on your altar of sacrifice and say, here I am, Lord, for you. That's the secret place. Will God give you words? Will God? Yeah, he'll do all that. But first, put yourself on the altar and don't take it off the altar. Do not lift yourself off the altar until God comes down and consumes you like a living sacrifice. For he's an all-consuming fire. You can't do this daily. Like, what I mean by this is, like, you can't do this for 30 years straight. Because God consumes you. He anoints you and he sends you out. And then God goes, and then you're running on that anointing. You're running. You're running. Maybe you go 10 years. And then you feel this burning, like, God's calling me away again. It's the molting of the eagle. Do you know in the molting of an eagle? That an eagle will sit on the ground and will pull out every single one of the eagle's feathers. And then it will take off its beak. Number one, it pulls out its feathers. It's unable to fly. It will take its beak and it will bang it until the beak falls off. He's now unable to go and kill and get his own food. And then what happens, listen what happens is other eagles, listen to this, such good, so good, other eagles who have been through the process actually will fly over those eagles in the molting process, and they will make noise and encourage those eagles in that process. What comes out? The eagle gets a new set of feathers and a new beak grows out, and that eagle becomes stronger and able to, to live. Eagles that molt live longer than eagles that don't. Look, God created eagles to tell a story, just the reason why he created sheep to tell a story. If you're going to soar with the eagles, you're going to go through a molting process. That's okay. Don't be ashamed if you find that process, but we find it all the time as ministers. Oh, we're still ministering. (laughs) You know, we're still ministering, but in our private time, we're crying out. It comes out in our messages. We start talking about the hunger and, because we're in that season. We, can't, we don't talk about hunger every single day. Someday we're in the glory. Some We break through. We're in that glory. And then we're going, wait a minute. What I was doing, Lord, doesn't seem to be working anymore. Why? Why? Because that was for that season. Now I got an anointing for this season. It might even smell with the same fragrances. It might smell even something familiar. But it's going to be an increase. It's going to be an increase. I'm going to go in and I'm going to hew out of you a cistern that can hold it. I'm going to hew out of you and I'm going to build in you a reservoir without holes, without leaks, without compromise. I'm going to build that in you for this next season so that you can run and catch chariots. Okay, so you can, your shadow can heal the sick, so you can pull aprons off of you and send them and demons will cast out and people will get healed. I'm going to do that for you, but you're going to have to come away with me. Lord, aren't you pleased with me? Oh, here's the answer to that. I am so pleased with you that I'm drawing you even closer to me. I'm inviting you into me. I'm inviting you into me to abide with me in this season so that I can do a greater work through you. It's not that he's not pleased. Look, at it is when we start out as Christians. He has so much mercy on us, but when we're pleasing to him, he always takes us up to a new level. He always invites us up to that next level up the mountain, that next level. Listen, is that you? Because it's me. It's me. I've been, I've been on this track for a while, and I'm just waiting for the release of God. Is it you? Are you hungry? Did you find yourself that for some reason you're like, are you just hungry for ministry? Or do you see something on the horizon that's burning so deep and passionately in you? That you feel like God's got something to Okay, God's showing you something. That's the promise. Now go in, this, go in the secret place. And him who sees in secret will reward you. We go from secret place to marketplace. Remember that. Secret place to marketplace. We just don't go out in the marketplace. We go from secret place to marketplace. So that when we come out of the wilderness, we come out in the power of the Spirit, like Jesus did after being in the wilderness. Don't avoid the wilderness. The wilderness is the place where you live supernaturally. (laughs) Okay, The The wilderness is where you live supernaturally. The promised land is where you apprehend that which was promised. They had to go through the wilderness before they got into the promised land. When they were in the wilderness, you know what they were living under? Daily manifestation of manna. Water coming from a rock quail flying into their face right fire by day cloud uh, cloud by day fire by night temperature control that's what Australians call thermostat it, it 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 was that it was that and what we think is that we're going to live it's not for us to live by miracles every day it's for us to produce miracles every day that's the promised land that's the promised land of the kingdom the promised land of the kingdom is the abundance of God's supernatural power meeting every need in the people we minister that's the promised land it's Jesus being able to meet every need that came in front of them whether it was we don't have enough even if, you know we have enough money but there's not even enough places to buy food in this area we don't have enough money or food we couldn't even buy enough food for these five thousand these four thousand what do you have give me something to work with hey we have a couple loaves a couple fish Ah, that'll work that'll work our sufficiency is not of ourselves jesus we are completely insufficient insufficient in feeding these people but do you have something (laughs) do you have something you have something That is a value to the Lord, and that value is you. And offer it up as a living sacrifice. Romans 12.1, people always skip to 12.2. 12.1 is the prerequisite for for 12.2, that we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, well-pleasing, well-pleasing to God. This is our reasonable service. This is our. This is the service of the Melchizedek order. The Melchizedek priest doesn't bring an offering. The Melchizedek priest is the offering. You are the offering God wants. You are the offering God wants to multiply. You are. The, God wants to take the miracle in you and multiply it into the multitudes, and He's just all He's asking is just trust me, come. Just trust me, come. Just trust me, come. And if you do this in a season, I, I just, I've heard the Lord say, this is the promise we have. It's not, you can't just go, hey, Lewis said there's a new anointing. I receive it. And then go about your business. If you believe what I'm saying, then you go and you go, God, I want that anointing. I want the fresh oil, the fresh anointing oil on my life. And you pray and you pray and you pray. Until he consumes the sacrifice. Until he consumes the sacrifice. Until he consumes the sacrifice. And when he does, whew, you're going to see miracle power. It, faith is the relentless approach to convincing God. You know, it's it's like this. As an athlete, and I, I, I'm a real good golfer I was a scratch golfer for a while when I played a lot and grew up playing golf and a lot of people treat athletes like this well let's just take some really big athletes Tiger Woods LeBron James Tom Brady whatever you want to do Lemieux and hockey for you Canadian for you Canucks the great one uh, Gretzky they had talent but talent's not what made him great there's a lot of people with talent. What made them great was the passion to of pursuit. That's what made all those athletes great. Not talent. Talent was what they had to work with. The greatness came through the passion from shooting baskets to hitting pucks, to throwing balls, to hitting golf balls. It was the relentless pursuit of what they were given to use it to the integrate. Tiger has never had the best golf swing. He doesn't. By the way, I'm a golfer. He doesn't have the most fundamental golf swing. He dips a little bit. He gets ahead of himself a little bit. That's not what made Tiger great, was practice. I heard Tiger say this here at the TPC in Jacksonville, 1997. And him and Fred Couples are on the tee. And Tiger's hitting three irons, and he's putting them all into a pile. He goes, well, here's a draw three iron. He's putting into a pile right in the first fairway. He just keeps hitting them. They're going right in the first, all in the same spot. He goes, all right, here's a cut three three iron. And he's putting them in another pile. And someone said, do you think you just have raw talent? That's why you're so good? No. He says, my talent is I got very quick hips, so I can hit the ball far. So that's the God-given talent. But he said, it's the practice that allows me to put them all in the same spot. Talent doesn't do that. Now of course you gotta have some talent to be get to that near that level, right? Not everyone has the talent. That's why not everyone should look at. Not everyone should be a preacher, a, an evangelist, an apostle. Okay, because God hasn't given you those giftings. Can't just say it. You can't just say, can't just say oh, I'm an apostle. It doesn't work that way. You don't want to do that, anyways. That's why I say like Todd is one of the most. I always think Todd is a Philip, the evangelist. He, he Todd. If people would allow Todd, they don't often do it, but would allow Todd, I believe Todd's the kind of guy who could turn a city upside down. And the gospel, listen, the gospel, uh, look, there's two types of ministers out there. Turn to If you got your Bibles, I'm going to actually use Scripture for a second. <laughs> I've been giving you Scripture, but I'm going to use it here. This is one of the most phenomenal things that when the Holy Spirit ever just reveals something to you, you better pay pay attention. He doesn't change the message for no reason. He doesn't he doesn't change the um, listen to the words he's using. So, chapter eight of uh, the book of Acts. If you turn there, I'll give you about five seconds to turn there. It says, "Now Saul was consenting to his death." At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. For Saul, uh, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Here's the the part I love right here. Listen to this. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Listen, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. You notice the difference? They went preaching the word. You know, we have a lot of people who are preaching about the kingdom. They're preaching the words of the kingdom. They're preaching. They tell people there's a kingdom, but there's no manifestation in it. I appreciate the doctrinal thesis on the kingdom. I appreciate the doctrinal thesis on healing. But that's not what God called us to do. That's going to get me in trouble. Forgive me for that. That gets me in trouble a little bit. It's not what he called us to do. He called us to preach Christ. He called us. To release the, king. the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And here's what it takes to bring power. Lord, here I am. Does he want everyone to walk in power? Yes. Yes. Teacher, five fivefold ministry, teachers are still to have power. They might not be the evangelists or the apostles. They might not be that. I get that. Those two are known for working in miracles, but the prophet works miracles. As a prophet, I saw miracles. As an usher, I saw miracles, by the way. When I ushered, I saw miracles. I remember this is during Rodney, 1994. In this, and I'm ushering. I'd always stay late. I'd always stay late. During 93, 94, 95, 96 was revival here in Jacksonville. And as an usher, I'd always stay late. Elders would go home at nine after this is when Rodney wasn't there. We were in revival. And elders would go home. I'd stay till midnight and just pray for people. Just pray for people. Just pray for they'd come up. Would you pray for me? And I, I would just pray. I was available. See, God, God didn't care. I didn't know crap. God just cared. I was available. He didn't, he didn't worry. He could teach me in a way. The anointing taught me. But I he knew I didn't have a degree. I still don't have a degree. <laughs> but I had Christ. I had Christ. And this this girl comes up with two other girls and they say, This is our girlfriend. They were all Muslim, former Muslim. Two of them were former Muslims. And they brought their girlfriend and she was a Muslim. She goes, She she wants to receive Jesus. I said, Oh, what a great. I'll pray with you. So I grabbed her hands. When I grabbed her hands, she went, Oh. I go, What's the matter? She goes, Oh, I have carpal tunnel. I said, Oh. Jesus is going to heal that. Let's pray. You go, why would you declare that? Because I had a revelation of a need. The revelation told me there was a promise. (laughs) The revelation of a need is the revelation of a promise. God didn't reveal that to me so I could sit there and say no to it. He revealed it to me so I could supply it. And I grabbed their hands and I began to pray. We prayed her to receive Christ, and then the Holy Spirit spoke something to me, and He said, "This, get behind her." I said, "Why?" Her eyes were closed. He said, "Get behind her." I said, "Why?" He says, "Because I'm about to pour myself on her." I just got behind her. Bam! She fell into me. I put her on the ground. I went and prayed for other people. Twenty minutes. She gets up, saved, forgiven, but completely healed in her wrist. No pain. No carpal tunnel gone in Jesus' name. Folks, I did that as an usher. I think everyone should do miracles. Everyone should do miracles. Everyone should do miracles. And one of the frustrations I get is well, why didn't that person get a miracle? Well, they didn't have faith. Let me tell you something. I'm looking for my faith and anointing to get so big I can bypass their unbelief, like Jesus did at the pool of Bethesda. See, even when Jesus rebuked people for a lack of faith, they still got a miracle. You notice that? Even when he rebuked, would rebuke them, he got frustrated with it, but still they got their miracle. Okay? I want to be able to bypass that in a sense of, well, not bypass it. It's like the tip of this pen is a mustard seed. and, And I want to be able to exploit that mustard seed of faith in them and bring about the miracle. That's what I want to be. I I want to be able to find the one mustard seed in someone of faith. Even if, Lord help my unbelief, even if they're in that state, I just want to grab that one seed, that one mustard seed of faith. And I want to be able to have the anointing that can take that and bring about a miracle. That's what I'm looking for. I want to be able to take my faith and add it to that mustard seed. And bring forth the miracle. And that's going to take contending. That's going to take increases over my life. That's okay. Jesus was able to do it. Jesus was able to do it. And Paul, it says, Philip went down to a city of Smyrna and he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes of one accord, heeding the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. The kingdom of God is not in word but power. It doesn't mean there's not word behind it. It just means it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop. It brings the manifestation. That's the kingdom of God. It's at hand. It's here to manifest for us. Hallelujah. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Man, when we and Todd were in India, and we haven't been anywhere in so long that we keep going back to that. We've all been locked in. Let me tell you, when we were in India, it was the Sunday, it was Tuesday night. We were in, I won't tell you what city we were because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. It was our second city, the first night. We couldn't preach the second night because of the miracles that happened on this night. This one young boy, I got pictures of this, this one young boy ran up to Todd and me and he grabbed the microphone with Todd and he was trying to talk to us but he didn't speak English and his parents said he's been possessed his whole life he's 14 years old he had been completely me and Todd didn't pray for him <laughs> I mean Todd will tell you we didn't pray we couldn't even like he was so hot to the touch but God came in the room because we were preaching, it was—it had something to do with us being there. Don't get me wrong; I'm not—I want to minimize that, but it was far beyond us because there was faith in the room, and God—God God delivered that young man right in front of us. That was the night that I'm praying for people inside, and someone comes and grabs me he goes, Todd wants you outside, and an ambulance had put up with a man in a coma. He had been in a coma for four months on life support. They told the daughter, he's brain dead. Just unplug him. She said, no, I'm here. There's a meeting tonight. I'm going to this meeting. And me and Todd prayed. It's on video. Todd might post it again. Who knows? And Todd had me get in the van. We kept praying for this guy three times. And finally, he blink his eyes, come up. Almost. We keep praying. And popped out of the coma. That was when they grabbed us and said, you got to get out of here. We said, why? Because I'm praying for people to go, No. You're about that. There's going to be about 50,000 people here in about five minutes once this gets out and you'll you'll get caught and you'll be uh, in a lot of trouble. So they they grabbed us really quick and uh, got us out of there, which I I, I was kind of frustrated with, you know, because I just want to lay hands on everybody. You know, the, the morning, Friday morning with 10,000 people and 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 watching. Um, I mean, I couldn't even count them all. The salvations it was over a thousand easily. There, there was. They said about four to five thousand of the ten thousand were Hindus. They just the pastor. Thank God for this faithful man of God who just does healing prayers. He prays for the sick on Friday mornings, and so we came in to that meeting and we watched all these miracles. And me and Todd both got a word of knowledge of God was opening up right ears. Well, it turns out there was like ten deaf mutes that came up, and and. And and Todd did most of the praying. I'll give I, I'll tell you that Todd was just praying for these people, and their their deafness and the muteness was just delivered. I mean, ten in a row. Well, when Todd was started doing that, he was on number seven. They started passing their kids over the platform to me. Just kept passing them and passing them, and I'm just going. I'm just laying hands on them. They just want me to lay hands on them, and I'm just praying for them. I I don't, I don't have time to say anything. I'm literally. 500 kids are coming across over the banister and I'm just, and I'd put them down, uh, put them down. Someone would grab, and i put down this one boy and the pastor yells and I go, what's the matter? He goes, he's, he's lame. Not lame anymore. It Freaked me out. Uh, Thank God my friend Ernest got a picture of it, that little boy standing. That's why you contend. You don't contend for you. You're not contending for your namesake. You're not contending. You're contending for the glory of God to be revealed, but that's the manifestation that's the manifestation. Ask ask anyone. Ask a Bill Johnson. These are questions, by the way, I do, I've asked Bill Johnson over 14 years about the contending, about the things that the process. I always want to know about the process. I always find the process is the same. The reason I keep asking about the process because it encourages me. It encourages me to know that Todd and Bill and you know Ryan Harbonke did this and Or Roberts did this and I've had T.L. Osborne lay hands on me and Benny Hinn lay hands on me. I find they all go through these processes and if they avoid the process, if you avoid it, the ministry shrinks. The ministry shrinks. You can't avoid it. Can't avoid it. You got to submit yourself to the process. You got to you got to offer yourselves up as a living sacrifice. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And I'm telling you, there's a fresh anointing for miracle signs and wonders and the preaching of the gospel with the manifestations to follow. And if we avoid it, we're going to go from secret place to marketplace. We're going to go from our secret place. And look, I'm not calling the church not the marketplace. The secret place is your closet you pray in. The marketplace is the moment you walk out. <laughs> it's the moment you walk out. It doesn't have to be in the market. It can be in I don't care. The moment, you, look, I, I don't want my miracle power only to work in in, in climate controlled areas. I want my almond rod to always bud and bring forth fruit in his presence even if i'm not in the soil that's what i want me i want i want to bear much fruit because in this god is glorified this is our passion this is safe secret place church why are you here this is what you're here for i'm making i'm i'm trying to i'm hoping i'm communicating i wish this is the thing i don't like about being online is i i you can't you know, follow the anointing in the room. I it, it kind of frustrates me. I, I kind of don't really care for it as much as I love. I love preaching and ministering the anointing in the room. I'm gonna pray for you in a moment. I really am. I'm just gonna do my best to pray for you. But I'm gonna pray for you something that that God gives you the grace for the secret place. Say that. God give me grace for the secret place. <laughs> God, give me grace for the secret place that God would take you into those heavenly realms that you can apprehend the promises of the anointing and obtain that which God has for you in this hour. Look it, not all of you are called to be evangelists yet. I did this to be an usher, by the way. I did this and God, I wasn't just an usher. I was the usher that everyone knew because I moved in power. Everyone knew it. Everyone knew my name because I moved in power. People would sit in my section, so that when I could take the offering, I I would take up the offering, pass the bucket back, and I lay hands on them, and the whole row would fall out. They—they literally. I'm just telling you, it was—they didn't want me. It wasn't me. By the way, 99% of those people, I never knew their names. It wasn't about me. I didn't have an email list. It wasn't about me. They weren't coming to me. They were coming to the Christ. With me. That was what they wanted. People are hungry to see somebody who has something that will meet their need. That's all people are looking for. That's all their people are looking for. They're just looking for somebody who is carrying the thing they need. The one they need, which is Christ. That's all they're looking for. All we're looking for as ministers is the need. We're looking for the hungry. We don't have time. For those who are satisfied, let the dead bury the dead. We're looking for those who are hungry. Why? Because as ministers, we know we know the anointing flows. We love the hungry. We love the thirsty. Maybe you're sitting there and you're going, but Lou, I'm looking for a book here. Lou, I um I, I got kids. I got kids. <laughs> I, I want to recommend a book. I don't have this one here, but this is from Kathy Lechner. You could probably find these somewhere. Um, Kathy Lechner was one of my spiritual moms. And she wrote a book. Uh, I'm trying to sit at your feet, but who's going to cook dinner? She was one of the most accurate prophets I knew. She's with Jesus now. Randy, my spiritual father. One of the most accurate prophets I know. And he didn't prophesy about this last election, so. Are you hungry? Give me a thumbs up or do something. You know, like the video again, share the video. Um, I am, I am just hungry for God. I am hungry for God. I need to be around the hungry people. I, I can't be around the satisfied folk. I just can't do it. It's so. It's so frustrating to me when there's so much promise and people are satisfied. There's nothing annoys me more than when there is so much potential not realized. I give my life to the anointing. I give my life to God as a living sacrifice. I wanna pray for you right now and let you go. Thank you for putting up with, with me this morning. Thank you for it. I, um, I I hope this communicates something that God is so, that when you're feeling that hunger, it's, it's actually a sign that you're well-pleasing to God. You're well-pleasing. I never felt one tug on my heart from God when he's called me to this place, him ever going, I, I'm so upset with you. It's always like, son, I'm so pleased with you. Come, I want to take you deeper. I want to open up new realms to you. That's the act of faith. You've convinced God to open up more. Everything is available to all believers, but not all believers will access all things available. You access it through faith. You ask, you access it, Through contending in prayer and the hunger and thirst. You don't quench it with earthly things. You don't quench it even with ministry. It only is quenched when the living God consumes you, the living sacrifice. That's that's the anointing. That's when you know that God has done something. When Bill Johnson laid hands on me, electricity shot through my body for 30 minutes and I could not move. Everyone who was with me knew I'd been praying for four and a half years for that. As God worked in me, something I was a prophet. I was already going out laying, seeing glorious meetings, but that miracle-working power. And I believe God's going, son. I got more for you. I got more. Todd, you know what I love about Todd? Todd's like God goes, man. Look at Todd. Man, Todd is like says to me, look what's possible. You know, what, you know what, all, the, all the things people want to say about Todd, I've been with Todd. I'll tell you what I love about Todd. Let me tell you one of the secrets of Todd and Jessa. And I love you guys if you're watching this morning. I, I love you guys. I miss you so much. I miss, miss hugging your necks. Listen, I'll tell you what I love about Todd. When God speaks to Todd, you won't find anyone in a deeper pursuit of the things spoken to him. That's what I love about Todd. The level of pursuit with Todd, to go after the things God's speaking to him, it annoys other people. It annoys other people. It doesn't annoy me. It just inspires me, drives me. I love people like that. So I love Bill Johnson. So I love being around Bill Johnson because Bill is never satisfied. Never satisfied. And Bill inspires me. And encourages me and always lays hands on me. Every time I see Bill, he lays hands on me. That's one of our deals. <laughs> I go, I don't I don't care if you got 30 seconds, just I just need I just need something. I don't mind. He knows I don't want Bill. He knows it's not Bill. Like we're friends. He knows I, I love him, but he knows what I mean by that. He knows I don't want Bill's I, I want what's on Bill's life. I want and and it only works when the vessel has been prepared. It only works. It's amazing. Let me tell you what's going to happen to you. If you begin to contend and you begin to seek, you'll be amazed how many opportunities for impartation come your way. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed of of things open up, how God orchestrates men and women to lay hands on you. I keep track of all the impartations on my life. Some, as an apostle, I carried my spiritual kids so they could have it. It doesn't even work in my life. It works in theirs. But I've had so many people lay hands on me, folks. I love it. I'm so cherish it. I'm telling you what's going to happen. Opportunity. It's like doors are going to swing open that you thought were closed, and there's going to be there, there's going to be the man or woman of God to lay hands on you, and a new season begins. Impartation is the transference of the wealth of God. That's why we lay hands. I I'm teaching that in another series right now, so it's in my head. Let me let me let me pray for you, and let you go this morning, Father. I thank you for the hungry ones, God. I thank you for those who are thirsty for you, God. I thank you for those who are contending for you, God. And I ask, Father, that you you don't awaken love until it pleases. You don't awaken them from this deep pursuit until the sacrifice is consumed. Make them even hungrier. Make them even more persistent. That they might spend their time with you and convince you, persuade you, and allow you to work out in them whatever you have to do in us, God. Whatever you have to do in us, we lay ourselves on the altar of sacrifice for you. So that whatever you have to do in us, so that you can work through us with your mighty glory power that we might bring the kingdom to others, Lord, it is this. We wait on you. We wait on you, Lord. We thank you that as they contend, as we contend, we have this promise that there is a fresh anointing waiting for us when it pleases you to pour it out on us, Lord. We wait on you. I thank you for the grace in the secret place. I thank you for the grace in the secret place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you guys. I love you. Again, I'm on a Facebook page, Louis D. Sienna and the Gate Church of Jacksonville. Two Facebook pages there you'll see me on. I'm on Rumble, Lewis D. Sienna Ministries. I'm on YouTube as Lewis D. Sienna ministries and the gate uh on there the gate normally has my um stuff that's done at the gate and then louis dc and i do my other ministry stuff so you can get me on there hit me up on facebook friend request me if you want whatever you want to do um find me uh i'm i'm on locals the gate jacks the gate church dot you can find me there um, so, a lot of different places where we put stuff and we inter, uh, interact. And also, lewisdcn.com, where there's a lot of product, a lot of free stuff, and a lot of school stuff too. Uh, I want you, I'm here to serve you, to help you to be all that you are called to be in Christ, that your holy calling and election would be made sure in Christ, and that you would fulfill all the promises that God has given you in your life. God bless you, and I pray that you have an amazing, amazing uh, week, month, year that let the harvest of God, let the harvest of God be harvested with his harvesters. Be in Charlotte, March 18th through the 21st with Todd and Joshua and all them. Uh, Be blessed. Saints love you. May the Lord be with you always. Bye-bye. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> my